Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. And a Tira employee alleges trauma in the workplace. They did nothing to support me. Absolutely nothing. Complaints of harassment add to the controversy at BC's biggest supportive housing provider. WestJet lands a tentative deal with pilots. White travel trouble still lingers for a lot of passengers. And big changes to BC ferries. Food service generally uh, has made it very, very difficult for any business other than Vegas and cruise lines. Goodbye buffet as the corporation makes plans to keep sailing into the future. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is on assignment tonight. An employee on leave from Atira is coming forward with serious allegations about the housing provider. She says it does not provide a safe workplace and takes advantage of staff. The B.C. General Employees Union says it's been approached by employees eager to unionize after a bombshell report recently made public. Julie Nolan has the story. I want to feel safe when I go to work, first of all. Senia Collins started working for Atira seven years ago as a peer manager overseeing volunteers and support workers. Collins says she's been experiencing ongoing workplace harassment. I was managing an individual um, who was quite aggressive, um, had numerous complaints from the peers and other staff members. Collins alleges the employee would routinely bring a knife to work and display aggressive behavior at the office. Global News has confirmed Collins filed both an HR complaint and Workers' Compensation Board report about the situation, but has not verified specific allegations. He's just white-knuckling it and, and until he finally you just you can't do it. It's just not worth your mental health. I'm actually uh, scared to be walking around. They did nothing to support me, absolutely nothing. Now on a leave of absence from Atira following internal dispute resolution efforts, Collins has been on employment insurance for several months and says she feels forced out. They can't accommodate me not working with this person if I was to go back now. Collins says her experience highlights the lack of accountability when it comes to workplace health and safety at the housing provider. There's a problem with keeping staff. She says volunteers are exploited, taking on the duties of paid support workers without proper training, especially in potential crisis situations on the downtown east side. Workers want to see more transparency and accountability. The B.C. General Employees Union says it's been hearing from other Atira workers wanting to unionize after results of a forensic audit were released earlier this month. We've heard about issues around bullying and harassment, and this is part of the reason why workers at Atira want to organize and form a union so that they can feel supported. In an email addressing the allegations, it says Atira takes any staff complaint seriously. Our organization and its subsidiaries have almost 1,300 employees, including part-time employees. Typically, we only have a handful of complaints each year. I don't even know if I want to stay in this field. 
I'm good at it. I know I'm good at it. I was, I've been there for since 2016. I don't have any complaints on me. Now picking up the pieces, Collins plans to heal and rebuild and hopes Atira will take an opportunity to do the same. Julie Nolan, Global News. Travel plans are back on for anyone who had a ticket on WestJet this holiday long weekend, but there's still some lingering turbulence. As Jasmine Bala reports, it could be days before flights return to normal now that an 11th hour contract deal has been reached between the airline and its pilots. Yeah, Chris, we're hearing a lot of relief, happiness. Things are moving along. People are getting on planes, but not everyone. There are still several cancellations today at YVR. 14 departing flights and 18 arrivals have been cancelled. So even though there's no strike, there's still this domino effect that's throwing a wrench into many travel plans. It was the news air travelers were waiting for. Hoping, just hoping. After hours of standing by. Life in limbo. My ears were plugged to the TV and my telephone. A tentative deal coming at the 11th hour. My son gave me a message 1.45 last early in the morning that dad, they settled the strike. So boarding passes are good. Good. Relieved. There will be no strike. The 1,800 swoop and WestJet pilots who would have walked off the job Friday morning now standing down. After nine months of negotiations, a new pilot contract providing better job security, pay and scheduling flexibility. WestJet's CEO making the announcement on social media. Our valued pilots are critical to our business and we look forward to ensuring that our guests can safely get where they need to go with the service that they deserve. But the domino effect is still being felt. WestJet parked much of their fleet on Thursday, cancelling hundreds of flights. I was supposed to leave it yesterday, 8 at night, 8.20, something like that. But they, uh, they cancel all the flights. We're still here all night or last night with the kids. And we travel, we travel like uh, 13 hours from Philippines yesterday. The union and company now working together to get things back up and running. I put out to the a call to the pilots yesterday to please come out and help if you can today. But the service is not something that can be restored overnight. Well, it takes a while for the airline to get its back, get its act together. Um, you know, this is like a giant chess game. With lots of moving parts, Gradic says it's going to take a couple days before things get back to normal. And you got 130 airplanes that were not necessarily where they're supposed to be in order to operate their schedule on a daily basis. So you've got to reshuffle these airplanes around to get them to be the right airplane at the right place at the right time. The aviation expert we spoke to says WestJet operations will return to about 90% tomorrow and then back to 100% on Sunday. So good news overall, but not great for people who are traveling out this weekend who are still having to deal with those cancellations, Chris. Well, it's good to hear the update anyway. Thanks very much, Jasmine. That's Jasmine Bala reporting from YVR. Progress is being made on a number of wildfires burning in B.C.'s Peace River region, but they are still posing a threat to some homes and properties. An evacuation order has been expanded for people living near the Donny Creek wildfire southeast of Fort Nelson. It's grown to more than 118,000 hectares. At the same time, conditions have improved and the evacuation order has been lifted for those threatened by the Stoddard Creek wildfire near Blueberry River First Nation. The effect of that was we took um, essentially 850 properties off order, uh, allowing, gosh, you know, well more than 1,500 people to return to their homes or businesses. 
Firefighting efforts are expected to be difficult again this weekend in the Peace Region with strong winds and little or no rain in the forecast. And we'll get the details from Steph Florian a little bit later in the news hour. Seven people have been hurt in a two-vehicle crash in Surrey. The collision between a black Jeep and a white sedan happened on 128th Street at 103rd Avenue shortly after 10 a.m. Ten ambulances were dispatched. Emergency Health Services says seven people were treated, six transported to hospital. RCMP say one person was seriously injured. Investigators are now looking into whether speed or possibly other driving behaviors may have played a role in the crash. 128th has been closed between 102nd and 104th Avenues. Crime Stoppers is highlighting an unsolved assault last year in Saanich. There is video of it and a warning. It's disturbing to watch. Police have released video of an assault around lunchtime June 10th, 2022, in the parking lot of Stelly's High School. Five masked people attacked a student with a mallet, a knife, and a baseball bat. The student was caught on the head, hands, and arms trying to fend off the knife. He also suffered extensive bruising in the attack. Well, we're looking for the, uh, the assistance from the public to further our investigation and, and help us, hoping that this will sort of refresh people's memories, people that may have been walking by, driving by at this time, and may have seen something and they didn't call the police the first time. Because of the just the descriptions and, and these individuals wearing uh, balaclavas uh, or a mask, and so it makes it quite difficult for identification. Police say the student is still recovering from his injuries, has memory issues and suffers anxiety as a result of the attack. Police say the attackers got away in a 2013 black BMW 335i four-door car. So if you recognize it, please contact police. There are new indications that a good number of B.C.'s 16,000 restaurants are facing a financial crisis. Bankruptcies are up and restaurants who got emergency federal help to make it through the pandemic are facing a looming deadline to pay it all back. Catherine Urquhart reports. I guess I'll just get um, a ham and cheddar. A ham and cheddar? They're so good. Victoria's Fola Pea Bakery is a popular spot, but that's not reflected in their financials. The past few years have been challenging. Recently, they had to close a second location. Coming out of COVID, we got a lot more debts. Picked up a lot of debt through COVID, which we had to take to kind of get through it, and now it's time to pay it back. Restaurants Canada says there has been a 116% increase in bankruptcies for Canadian restaurants compared to 2022, blamed in part on the pandemic, inflation, staffing challenges, and that's not all. Coupled with that, you know, we have uh, increases in property tax, we have the health employers tax, and now we have many businesses that access the uh, federal loans during COVID now in a position of having to repay that. Restaurants Canada says nearly 20% of restaurants that have yet to reimburse the Canadian emergency business account will not be able to repay it, partially or at all. The deadline is end of this year, it's calling on the federal government to allow repayment over three years. In response, the deputy prime minister's press secretary said repayment deadline to qualify for partial loan forgiveness was extended by one year to December 31st, 2023. As for extending payments over three years, no response was given. The restaurant industry right now in British Columbia, and I think most of Canada is in crisis. Um, and, you know, certainly you'll see restaurants that are busy, 
We're really concerned about independent restaurants right now. That concern is warranted, says Cliff Lear. Business has always been swim margins. It's tough business to be in. And now it's really sad up against uh, anybody in this business can, can tell you now it's pretty tough. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. And a whole bunch of economic data for April is out, giving us a better picture of how B.C.'s economy is doing. Keith Baldry joins us now from the legislature. And Keith, after that story, should we be optimistic or pessimistic? Well, it depends which economic indicator you want to look at, Chris. A bit of a mixed bag of goods from Central One Credit Unit. Every Friday they kick out an economic update, and, and once a month they do the monthly update. So here's the April stats, some of the key uh, numbers. Gas prices affects most of us. That's up almost 3% from March. Inflation, good news, down a half point to 4.2%. Here's where it gets interesting. Housing is on the uptick again. Average house price, $952,000. That's up almost 4%. Housing starts up more than 20 that's encouraging, but the price is still discouraging for a lot of, of home buyers trying to get into the market. Where it's going up the most, Chris, Fraser Valley up 13%. Vancouver Island over here is up 11%. And Chilliwack is leading the entire province when it comes to housing, uh, housing price increases at 13.8%. As I've been saying for some time, there's no one single Canadian housing market. There's a whole bunch of different ones. And certainly in Metro Vancouver, Vancouver Island, prices are once again on the increase, even with rising interest rates. Seems like we are always the outlier. Thanks very much, mm -hmm. Keith. All right, enjoy the long weekend. After nearly two years, most of a residential school memorial has now been removed from the steps of the Vancouver Art Gallery. But there's a lot of confusion and controversy over just who took it away and to where. That story in just over a minute. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. crowning achievement. The Canadian musicians who played at the King's Coronation now home and sharing their story. That's coming up later. And the death of a legend. Why Hall of Famer Jim Brown was exceptional for a lot more than football. That's coming up as well. But right now, for almost two years, a memorial to Indigenous children who died at residential schools has covered the steps of the Vancouver Art Gallery. The city has been carefully crafting a plan with local First Nations to remove it. But as Janet Brown reports, before crews could move in, someone took most of the memorial items away. Here on the stairs of the Vancouver Art Gallery were more than 200 pairs of tiny shoes, a tribute created after the discovery of unmarked graves at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. There is an importance of a space to heal and grieve for the loss of the children at the residential schools and the memorial at the Vancouver Art Gallery has served that purpose. But now some of the shoes and other items have disappeared. What happened, we don't know. Uh, we woke up like that. The city of Vancouver says some of the shoes and stuffed animals have been found at various locations around the city, including in Stanley Park. It has been confirmed um, that the volunteers have since 
have removed the items and transported them to an undisclosed location and have chosen not to follow through with the agreed upon process. However, those at the art gallery encampment say they are not the ones who move the items. There will be a time and place when I do discover what happened to these items. Anyone who comes across the items is asked to call the city so they can be transferred to a central location in preparation for an upcoming private ceremony with Indigenous partners. The city will see this process to the end, performing the private burning ceremony in a few days in hopes to nourish those children and help them find peace and continue their journey. A fence was put up this morning by the city in preparation for the burning ceremony. Janet Brown, Global News. We acknowledge, uh, we acknowledge stories like this can be triggering for some. The Indian Residential School Survivor Society provides crisis support 24-7, so you can reach them at 1-800-721-0066 anytime. The Supreme Court of Canada has dismissed a defamation lawsuit brought in 2018 by then Chilliwack School Board trustee Barry Newfeld. He sued then BC Teachers Union President Glenn Hansman after Hansman criticized Newfeld's comments about SOGI, sexual orientation and gender identity programs. Newfeld had called the programs a quote weapon of propaganda, teaching a biologically absurd theory. Hansman called Newfeld's comments bigoted, transphobic, and hateful. Newfeld sued Hansman for defamation, but the Supreme Court has ruled the case should not proceed, citing the importance of protecting expression intended to promote tolerance and respect. Construction continues on the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion, with concerns about the cost causing as much controversy as the environmental considerations. Paul Johnson reports on the massive increase in what taxpayers will likely eventually have to Canadians are on the hook for billions and billions of dollars when they were promised that they would not be. The reason why we're talking to Rob and Alan about the Trans Mountain Pipeline project isn't just because of her resume, respected economist and former ICBC president it's because of what she accurately predicted. I've been predicting the overruns uh, from the beginning. Those overruns have exceeded the expectations of even the most pessimistic watchdog types. When the Trudeau government bought the project in 2018, they said it would cost $7.4 to build. As you can see, every couple of years, it's taken a giant fiscal leap into the red now at $30.9 with still a lot of work left to be done. Trans Mountain told us the cost overruns were because of things like terrain, weather and inflation. Alan has a different take. What's really going on with the cost spiraling so outrageously out of control is that the project has been mismanaged from the beginning. It is free to pollute, so we have too much pollution. But what Alan finds most troubling is that this is a project by a government that's traveled the world to talk about climate change and has told Canadians they need to make sacrifices in the form of carbon taxes. We tried several times to get an explanation from Finance Minister Christia Freeland. She didn't respond. But a spokesperson from her ministry told us they bought the project because it's a necessary investment in the national interest. But having crunched the numbers, Allen says it's also likely to end up 
was the single biggest subsidy to the oil industry in our nation's history. Canadian taxpayers who are struggling with climate change are on the hook for around a half of that cost of shipment because Ottawa has not managed this project properly. Paul Johnson, Global News. The new BC Ferry CEO lays out a new course that he's setting for the fleet. I think it's fair to say that the pandemic has not been kind to buffets. Why it's not just the Pacific Buffet that will be getting a marine makeover. Plus, how that thick wildfire smoke now choking parts of Western Canada provides a worrying glimpse at a major new public health concern. The new CEO at the helm of BC Ferries is already making his mark. Good news if you have a dog or you hate car alarms. Not so good, though, if you like a big buffet at sea. Our Richard Zussman sat down with Nicholas Jimenez to find out what direction the corporation is now sailing. Sailing could be busier coming up, right? It's a commute fit for a CEO. Nice to meet you. I started as a CSA. It's been nearly two months since Nicholas Jimenez left his job at ICBC to take over BC Ferries, learning on the job while traveling from his home in Metro Vancouver to his office in Victoria, grappling with new realities. We have to design a system that's essentially uh, going to accept that there are more people in this province and there are more people moving in this province. We're coming up here. Jimenez setting sail on a new course. With BC's growing population, ferry ridership is now above pre-COVID levels. But there are still staffing challenges, which led last year to mass cancellation of sailings. The situation is going to be much improved from last summer. Uh, it's not going to be perfect, and we're asking everyone to be patient as we move through what is a very difficult time. The company under Jimenez leadership promising to listen to feedback including expanding a pilot to allow dogs on the above-deck outside areas. It could eventually include the crucial Swartz Bay to Tawasson route. And those in the wing car alarms, there's a potential solution for that too. One of the things we're trying this summer is we're providing information when people enter uh, certain terminals to advise them, hey, if you have a car that has an alarm, uh, if you can, disable it. A lot of times it's hard to disable these alarms. BC Ferries is hiring as quickly as possible, yet there's still a global shortage of Mariner workers, meaning the popular buffet is on the chopping block. With plans still in the works on what will come next, that won't occupy so many staff or waste so much food. The pandemic has not been kind to buffets, and it's not just on ferries. Food service generally uh, has made it very, very difficult for any business other than Vegas and cruise lines. And if you're traveling this summer, you may very well run into Jimenez, happy to chat with those on board and looking for the next idea to keep a company so important to British Columbians afloat. Richard Lisbon, Global News, Victoria. A little background for you. BC Ferries began operations in 1960 with just two vessels on a single route. Today, there are 39 ferries on 25 routes. They move more than 22 million passengers and 8 million vehicles a year. So far, BC Ferries has seen a more than 20% increase in passengers over last year, and we haven't even hit the peak travel season yet. The Squamish Nation is urging people not to visit the Squamish Valley backcountry this long weekend because of safety concerns. BC Wildfire Service has been working since last weekend 
to extinguish the now 38-hectare human-caused Shovel Nose Creek fire, which is currently being held. In addition to the wildfire, roads in the area have been impacted by flooding. With conditions so volatile, the Squamish Valley is being patrolled around the clock to ensure people are not violating the ban. The sun isn't going away. You know, the forest fires is still burning. The snowpack is melt melting at an alarming rate, flooding some of the roads in the area. With that, we have our land guardians, we have the RCMP, we have the F BC Fire Service, BC Forestry, that are working together in collaboration to be monitor the area. The Squamish Nation is also reminding people that target shooting and vehicles are all prohibited within the floodplain. And if your long weekend plans include going to White Pine Beach in Belcara, Port Moody, police want to make sure you also plan to park legally. Police are reminding people who drive to Sassamad Lake that parking on Bedwell Bay Road is prohibited. There is pay parking at the lake and regular bus service to the popular beach. Police say they've already had to respond to several incidents at White Pine Beach this spring. Illegally parked vehicles make it hard for emergency crews to access the area. And people who choose to park on the road will have their vehicles ticketed and towed. That spoils a day at the beach. The long-term health impacts of the changing climate. The air pollution is at least as strong a risk factor for heart disease and stroke as is smoking. Coming up, how wildfires have an increasing impact on your health. And a new study of germ-killing copper and why it's so good at protecting us from pathogens. Smoky skies over large parts of B.C. Alberta have many people reluctant to leave the sanctuary of their homes. According to the World Health Organization, air pollution causes more than 3 million deaths every year, a toll that's higher than traditional cardiac risk factors. Now, as Jamie Dahl reports, there is growing concern that climate trends will lead to even more illness. I got to travel around Canada and the United States. I went to Australia for a couple seasons. It was a, a great thing that I did for a while. He has stood face to face with some of the largest wildfires across Canada and the United States. 20 years battling out of control blazes, breathing in the smoke. You feel it, especially after a long season. You can feel it in your lungs, you can feel it in your body. It, it, it takes a, white, a while to clear it out. In 2018, this former Alberta firefighter decided to hang up his hat. I have some friends that had some long-term impacts and you know some friends that aren't with us today. And as a seasonal firefighter in Alberta, you don't get any pension or any benefits or any sick days. So that's one of the big reasons why I don't work there anymore because I needed to look into the future. And if I did get sick, I needed to have a job where I could take care of myself. It's not just firefighters exposed to the bad air. Wildfire smoke from Alberta hangs above many communities in Canada and even the United States, making it hard for some to breathe easily. Air pollution accounts for 20% of cardiovascular-related deaths, according to the World Health Organization. And there are fears those numbers could rise. We do know that uh, climate is making extreme weather worse and it's making other things that affect our health worse too like air pollution heat waves all of those things are contributing to a substantial number of increased deaths and illnesses that could be preventable it comes as no surprise to some in 2003 when 70,000 people died in europe of a heat wave it was projected that if we did not reduce carbon dioxide concentrations in the atmosphere significantly that by 2025 these kinds of years would occur one out of two or three years 
Well, it's 2023. What we thought would happen is now happening. Sanford says not only are people at higher risk for disease and heat exhaustion, but evacuations, loss of homes take a toll on mental health as well. Harold Larson is thinking of those still on the front lines. They might have a long road ahead of them, but it will eventually end. But just make sure you're keeping yourself safe and do your best to stay healthy as you can. Jamie Dahl, Global News. Turns out copper might be the best solution for killing bacteria and viruses in high-traffic areas. A one-year study conducted in Toronto and Vancouver placed copper coatings on high-touch surfaces on public transportation. Results show that certain copper products can eliminate 99.9% of bacteria within just a couple of hours. Researchers have a few theories about how it works. So copper itself is toxic for the bacteria, so that's another mechanism. And copper has the ability of creating some mistakes and errors in the genetic information of bacteria as well as viruses. So if they can't replicate, they can't survive. The researchers found copper remained effective over a year of use, standing up to disinfectant cleaning and human touch as well. Still ahead, the Canadian musicians who played at the coronation. Their once-in-a-lifetime performance and their unique perspective on the historic event. And coming up in sports, what is up with the Whitecaps' defensive slide? Barry DeLay has more. All your local news. All your breaking news. All the news you need. Get it at 6. Global News Hour at 6. Just before we get to weather, flooding in the Whitevale Road area south of Lumbee has become a regular problem during the spring melt. But residents say their attempts to get government officials to help with flood prevention have been ignored. Megan Turcato reports. Well, that's why I left Friday night. It was pouring rain. And I thought, if I don't go now, I'm not getting out. During the spring melt, Terry Headington is often forced out of her home when the property is cut off by flood water. Since at least 2017, I've been going out. Sometimes it's just for two, two, two nights maybe, but uh, the most was out uh, 10 days. I don't like it <laughs> at all, at all. I don't like it. She's among the residents of the Whitevale Road area south of Lumbee who are concerned about the nearby creek regularly spilling its banks during freshet. The breach is near her home, but the flood water also flows through fields towards other residential areas. I don't want to lose any more land, for one. If it doesn't get fixed, it's only going to get worse and it's going to cause more havoc down Whitevale Road closer to Lumbee. Well, this is an average year for high water in, in, on Harris Creek. All that water is going down to the subdivision down Whiteville, which is north of us. And uh, if it was an extreme high water, they would be flooded out, like last year. Some residents would like to see the creek bank built up to prevent this annual problem and have reached out to officials for help, but say they haven't had much response from the regional or provincial governments. It's kind of sad, actually. Very sad. The province says long-term flood mitigation is led by local and regional governments who can request provincial funding. But the regional district says protecting private property from flooding is the homeowner's responsibility 
and that regional district staff have met with landowners in this area and informed them that they would need to get provincial approval to install erosion protection on the creek. They're overlooking this, this Harris Creek problem. It only affects 20 homes or 30 homes and a couple of farmers, and they're kind of overlooking that. But that's a huge issue. Megan Turcato, Global News, near Lumbee. And that melt's going to continue this weekend. Let's check in with Steph Florian, who's in for Christie tonight. And, uh, yeah, still the fire danger is pretty significant in our province. Absolutely. Happy Friday as we roll into the long weekend. I mean, this is one of the biggest camping weekends of the year. Fire danger around the province is moderate to high. You can see it's extreme in some areas to the northeast as well. So do take caution out there if you are doing any camping. Uh, here's a look at some of the records. So the heat is still on. The smoky skies are still in place. Lytton, Lillooet, Kamloops, all new records since 2015. Even a few more to tell you about Vernon. This record dates back to... Here it is, 2006, uh, 29.8 is the new record from today. So these are today's highs, Pemberton, Nelson, Whistler breaking new record daytime highs. So it's been quite a week of records and we are expecting another hot day tomorrow before we start to see things shift. Here's a look at the air quality statement that is pushing uh, that smoke northeast. So that is good news. We're starting to see better conditions through some of the southern interior. Here's a look at your future cast. So we are expecting some pop-up thunder showers into your afternoon tomorrow that could be uh, heavier rain at times mixed with those thunder showers so seeing that in around parts of the interior as well as towards Fort St. John that's in place so we'll take a look at the forecast through the weekend and for your Saturday northern BC we're looking overcast for the most part Prince Rupert 12 degrees Terrace at 22 mix of sun and cloud for uh, Smithers we've got widespread smoke still the case there for the BC piece in Fort Nelson Prince George and the Caribou as well that's local smoke hitting 28 degrees for Quinnell and 25 for Prince George with that risk of an afternoon thunder shower. Here's a look at southern BC for your Saturday. As you can see, temperatures still very, very hot, above seasonal. Tofino will see some morning fog as per usual. Nanaimo will hit 25, 22 by the water in Victoria. For us, it's 22 to 26 degrees. Humidity is a factor. Even out towards the valley, we could be seeing some of those thunder shower activity. So our range is 22 to 25 for Saturday. We'll slowly uh, dip down into that Sunday. Uh, we're back to seasonal at 18 degrees and then for the rest of the week a mix of sun and cloud and more comfortable conditions. Here's a look at our central windows weather window that was sent in by Wendy. Look at this sailboat here in the smoky Sutherland, Sutherland for the Okanagan. There you go. Dead calm on the water. You Dead know, that, calm. That smoke's not going anywhere with conditions like that. Thanks very much, Steph. Barry's in for Squire mm -hmm. tonight. Good to see you, Barry. What's coming up? Well, uh, you know, with all of Canada's uh, hockey teams out of the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's golf season. And a few Canadians are in the hunt at the PGA Championship. Tie for the lead down the hill. Nice. Corey Connors is at the top of the leaderboard, and he's got some company. Taylor Pendrith and Surrey's Adam Svensson are also in the top ten, heading to the weekend. Sounds great. I could see um, the guests, all the guests come in uh, before the coronation started. The performance of a lifetime from the best seats in the house. The Canadian musicians who played at the Royal Coronation coming up.
All right, Barry Delay is here with the sports and the latest from Whitecaps. Not all of it's great. No, they were on a good run, sort of, mid-month, but it's uh, or last month anyway. It's been a bit of a dry spell. Again. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Earlier this season, the Whitecaps actually set a team record with four straight. MLS shutouts and we're one of the top defensive teams in the league but it has really fallen apart over the last three months uh, matches seven goals against two straight losses so this team needs to tighten up again if they're going to beat first place Seattle tomorrow night at BC Place. As the old saying goes, if you can stop a tennis ball, you can stop a soccer ball. Whitecaps keeper coach Yusuf Daha is getting Yohei Takaoka sharp for tomorrow's match against Seattle. The Japanese keeper has been scored on seven times in the past three matches. And coach Manny Sartini is quick to point out that he isn't solely responsible. We say that the job of defending is not just a back four, it's not just a goalkeeper, it's not just the defenders, it's 11 players. The Whitecaps have lost back-to-back MLS games for the first time since the opening two matches of the season. They were able to make some adjustments and then rattled off an eight-match unbeaten streak. But now a congested schedule of eight games in the month of May appears to be taking a toll on the team. We've had a lot of games lately, uh, so you can equate it to maybe guys not being as sharp. Uh, maybe we're lacking a little bit of focus. A little bit more communication would prevent a lot of goals that we have conceded, you know, and that's what we, we've been speaking about, just, you know, to give communication to the closest player or the player in front of you. The Whitecaps will be without centre-back Ranko Veselinovic for Saturday's match. The Serbian defender is back home for personal reasons, so for the first time this season, he won't be in the starting 11. Uh, we, have a, we have a deep roster, you know, it's probably one of the best rosters we have uh, over the years, you know, so, I mean, we have quality players, so if we miss one, I think we have good enough players to get the job done. The depth will continue to be tested after hosting Seattle. The Whitecaps have a Wednesday Canadian Championship semi-final with Pacific FC. But Vanny Sartini won't be holding any players back in the match against their Cascadia rivals on Saturday. We'll have to be smart in choosing the player who are the readiest to be intense and, and go to play the quality game that we need to play uh, against a good team like Seattle, for sure. I'll show you some Canadian Premier League soccer tonight from Hamilton. Forge out of Hamilton hosting Vancouver FC. Vancouver goalkeeper Callum Irving. Solid save here. He made three saves. Vancouver did not get a shot on target, so it's hard to win. It ends a scoreless draw. F Vancouver FC now one win, two losses, and three draws. Well, we are happy to report that Chorus Entertainment and the BC Lions have extended their radio agreement for another two years, so you can listen to Lions broadcasts on AM 730, complete with the pre- and post-game shows. And they got a new weekly show called Lions on Tap that goes on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock, and that starts on June the 6th. And the Lions training camp that continues in Kamloops tomorrow is Fan Fest from 1 to 530 at Hillside Stadium. It's a great chance to meet some of the players and have some family fun. Legendary running back Jim Brown has passed away at age 87. Brown only played nine seasons in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns from 1957 to 65, but is still considered one of the greatest running backs in football history. He won the rushing title in eight of his nine seasons and led the Browns to three championships, including their last in 1964. In NHL news, the Leafs have parted ways with Kyle Dubas after five seasons as their general manager. That's a bit of a surprise. The two sides were expected to come to terms on a new contract, but Leafs president Brendan Shanahan 
changed course after Dubas's very emotional end of season news conference on Monday when Dubas hinted he wasn't sure if the stress on his family was worth the job. So the Leafs are going to look for a new man to help get a very talented team over the hump in the playoffs. Second round of the PGA Championship from uh, very windy Rochester, New York. At least it was windy this morning. Nick Taylor of Abbotsford opening round 71. Good score today. This was a great sign in the fourth. That's from 68 feet for birdie. Unfortunately, uh, Nick made a triple and double bogey coming home and he did not make the cut. He finished at seven over. But Canadians are in contention, including Ontario's Taylor Pendrith from 30 feet, knocks it in. He's at one under. He's tied for eighth. Only ten, nine players in the entire field of 156 are under par. Surrey's Adam Svensson having a breakout year. Won a PGA tournament earlier this season and a brilliant tee shot there. And he is at even par. That gives him a tie for 10th. Corey Connors, also a recent winner on tour, contending for his first ever major championship. And he drops the 20-footer for birdie at the second. Had the solo lead at 6-under at one point. He finished at 5-under, and he is tied for the lead along with... Scotty Scheffler, when isn't he in contention? Great tee shot here as well to within a foot. So Scheffler, Connors, and Victor Hovland tied for the lead at five under through 36 holes. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin is at plus three, tied for 35th, and he will play the weekend as well. It'll be a fun one to watch. Mm -hmm. All right, be great. Thanks very much, Barry. Still ahead, Canadian musicians strike just the right note for the new king. Jordan Armstrong standing by now with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11 tonight. Jordan, what are you working Chris, on? And Chris, the B.C. College of Oral Health professional, Professionals rather, has taken what it calls extraordinary action to protect the public against an Abbotsford pediatric dentist. Dr. Sukrit Graywall works out of the Children's Oral Care Center at 2051 McCallum Road. He's been ordered by the college not to treat patients at his clinic or anywhere else. And he's not allowed to communicate with his staff. Not a lot of details on the allegations, but we'll tell you what the college is saying tonight on Global News at 11. Plus, the change to tell you about in how cannabis can be displayed for sale in B.C. That story also tonight, Chris. All right. Thanks very much, Jordan. Now, two Canadians had some of the best seats in the house for the coronation of King Charles earlier this month. The pair are musicians with the Regina Symphony Orchestra. And as Troy Charles reports, they were the only two Canadians chosen to play during the crowning of the new king. As classical music echoed throughout Westminster Abbey, the Coronation Orchestra had exactly two members who weren't from the United Kingdom. Violinist Hang Han Ho and clarinetist Hyun Suk Kim, both from the Regina Symphony Orchestra. Ask them if in their wildest dreams they ever thought this was possible. No, and especially playing in this kind of historical event, no. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> this was, um, yeah, something that I've never imagined, yeah. Ho, shown here, has been playing the violin for over 25 years. He arrived in London a week before King Charles III's coronation. Intense rehearsal, but fun. Like we have double rehearsal, six, seven hours a day, over time. Ho says it was an honor to be chosen, but it wasn't easy staying tight-lipped. Always a secret, so we couldn't tell anyone, we couldn't tell friends or family. Oh yeah, nothing, nothing happened. <laughs> Joining Ho, Hyun Suk Kim, shown here in the back row with her clarinet. 
I was a little bit nervous because I wanted to do a really good job. Both members humbly say they weren't sure why they were chosen, but it's worth noting that during his time as the Prince of Wales, King Charles became patron for the Regina Symphony Orchestra. We got lucky. It was a small orchestra just because the where we were sitting was very, very small space. And, you know, I don't think they could have fit any more people in there. The memorable and fun experience, even like biking here, I was still humming the, the pieces that we played. Not surprising that getting to play a once-in-a-lifetime concert left a lasting impression. Troy Charles, Global News. Excited to say Troy Charles will be joining the Global BC News team very soon. And the Global BC family is growing with a couple of new additions this week. Barry, I know you got a deal with Sarah. That's right. So you take the first one. That's right. She promised me when she left for maternity leave I would get to make the announcement. And there she is, Sarah with uh, her husband, uh, camera operator Clayton Little, welcomed their second daughter on Tuesday. They haven't made a, na a name yet for her. I've suggested Barryana, but they've, <laughs> they've not gotten back to me on that one. <laughs> they ghosted me after I, I texted that one. I'm, a sh I'm really shocked yeah. to hear that, but uh, what a wonderful family <laughs> and, uh, and their other daughter, Hart, will be uh, a great big sister, no doubt about right. it. Congratulations to them. Also want to tell you about reporter-producer Travis Prasad and his wife, Tara, welcoming a baby girl on Thursday. Lucille Shea weighed in at nine pounds. Everyone is doing well. Congratulations to them all. And... Like, I think there's even still some more babies in the pipeline. So this isn't the last time we're going to be doing baby announcements probably in the next few weeks. So stand by for that. And we'll toss it over to Steph Florian once again for the last, uh, last word on weather before we go to the long weekend. I was putting money on Sarah having a boy, so I guess I uh, lost that one. Maybe number three. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, well, we're going to have one more hot day, and then we'll start to see those temperatures moderate a little more comfortable. But staying dry, some clouds roll in, and yeah, we've got a dry week ahead and a dry weekend for May long. All right, enjoy it, especially if you're out camping. Wow, no tarps? Is that crazy? It's crazy. And a great shot of the PNE. Have a great uh, long weekend, everyone. We'll see you back here next week.